Welcome to the Football Pink podcast, hosted by Roddy Cairns. The Football Pink is a website, magazine and documentary podcast series bringing you long-form stories and nostalgia from across the world of football. For the discerning millennial, it feels like Sevilla Football Club are, and always have been, one of the top teams in Spain. Since the turn of the millennium, Sevilla have won the Copa del Rey twice, have almost always competed in Europe, including a run of 15 consecutive years, and have won the UEFA Cup or Europa League a record six times. But they weren't always the successful, European-dominant team they have been in recent years. Their run of success representing a high point in a 130-year history spent, often a little further down the food chain of Spanish football. Like all great eras, there is a talismanic figure on whom Sevilla can pin their recent period of success. Unlike other clubs, however, Sevilla's talisman is not a great player or a great coach, but a bang-average former goalkeeper turned sporting director. Step forward, Ramon Rodriguez Verdejo, better known as Monchi. A host of players have been promoted to the first team, made a huge impact in La Liga and then been sold for large fees. But there's no doubting that it was the UEFA Cup with which Monchi Sevilla have come to be associated above all others. The local derby is known as El Gran Derby. The passion is second to none in the whole of Europe. Monchi was born in San Fernando, Cadiz, not too far from the city of Seville. He spent his whole career at Sevilla, making 41 appearances for their B team before being promoted to the first team, where he struggled to truly establish himself and predominantly played second fiddle to Juan Carlos Anzui. In fact, 109 games are all Monchi managed to play over nine years with the first team. The most he ever managed in a single season was 26 in 96-97, a season in which his side were relegated. Rock bottom was hit in September 97, when Monchi was on the wrong end of a lob in a loss to Minos y la Cristina, which dumped his club out of the Copa del Rey. The fans were so furious with their keeper that he had to be smuggled out of the ground by the kit man into the back of a van. He missed the next two games, as the coach decided to not give him his usual place on the bench, keeping him out of the firing line of the furious fans. Monchi may not have played as many matches as other one-club players, but his loyalty was never in question. On his debut, which he had waited anxiously to make, he broke his finger in the first minute against Real Sociedad, an injury still visible today. Monchi's time as a Sevilla player may have been short on success, but he did get to share the pitch with some notable teammates, as Football Pink contributor James Jackson recalls. He was part of a footballing generation that saw some great players ending and starting their careers in Seville. Diego Maradona arrived in 1992, just after the meltdown at Napoli. Maradona only spent a year in Andalusia, but became great friends with Monchi. The friendship began with early morning walks together so that Diego could avoid the mass crowds that would gather around him. Monchi used to wear a fake Rolex and when Maradona discovered this, he bought his friend a brand new Cartier. Another Argentinian, Diego Simeone, arrived in 1992, aged 22 at the time, and had a fantastic two years with Sevilla, earning him a transfer to Atletico Madrid. Perhaps the most successful teammate of Monchi was Davo Suka. Spent five years scoring 76 goals before getting a big move to Real Madrid. 
Simonji was used to players coming and going, something he would later implement into his work as a sporting director. Every player can be sold and replaced. Monchi retired at the age of 30, his contribution to Sevilla having been long-running but modest. However, he'd not wasted his 20s at all, studying law during his spare time and gaining some of the skills he would later take forward into the second act of his life as a palangana. Few could have predicted just how stunning a success he would be in his future off-field role. When Monchi was hired as Sevilla's sporting director in the year 2000, the club had just been relegated and found themselves in the Spanish second division, something which wasn't as alien back then as it would be now. Sevilla were a club that often flirted with relegation and indeed had spent a season in the Segunda just a few years previously. On his appointment in 2000, Monchi had two main objectives. There was the sporting side, where instant success was harvested. The Andalusians bounced straight back from the Segunda without spending a cent. Coach Joaquin Caparros took much of the credit for the promotion, as well as the four consecutive top-half La Liga finishes that followed. However, in hindsight, Monchi's hand was probably evident even in those early successes. Monchi's other objective lay off the pitch, and he quickly set about trying to make Sevilla sustainable, profitable even. At the time of his hiring, the club had huge debts and were at risk of going bust. Monchi was tasked with improving the youth system but also setting up an enormous scouting network that covered not only Spain, but also foreign waters. The club wanted him to maximise profits, essentially the job that's asked of all sporting directors. And Monchi managed this, making over €400 million Euros of profit through sales of players from the youth system and those signed via the scouting network. Amazingly, he also delivered outstanding on-pitch results and trophies. El Lobo de Sevilla, the Wolf of Seville, was born. In considering Monchi's success at Sevilla, it's important to understand the disparity in the club's on-pitch successes before and after his appointment. BBC Sport journalist Thomas Duncan crunches the numbers. Before Monchi became sporting director at Sevilla, the club had not won a major trophy since 1948 and only had 10 in their entire history. Since he swapped the changing room for the boardroom, they've taken home 10 in just over 20 years. The first one came five years after his appointment, Sevilla winning the UEFA Cup with a 4-0 final victory over Middlesbrough in Eindhoven under Juan de Ramos. They would repeat the feat the following season, defeating compatriots Espanyol on penalties at Hampden Park. The UEFA Cup was one of three trophies that season. They also comprehensively defeated Champions League winners Barcelona in the UEFA Super Cup and lifted the Copa del Rey for the first time in nearly 60 years. But there's no doubting that it was the UEFA Cup, later renamed the Europa League, with which Monchi Sevilla have come to be associated with above all others. Since that first victory in Eindhoven, they went on to win it a further five times in the following 15 years, including a run of three in a row from 2013 to 2016. It's a two-way love affair. Sevilla's six titles make them the most successful club in the tournament's history by a long way double the number of successes of the chasing pack of clubs who have won it a mere three times. In addition to the wins, there have been plenty of losing finals too, showing Sevilla to be a club capable of consistently getting itself into the mix for silverware. The transformation of the Andalusian club during Monchi's reign has been nothing short of spectacular, from relegated strugglers to a club that is known and feared across Spain and Europe. At the Football Pink, 
we understand the passion you have for your own icons of football. That's why we've combined our unique creatives and our knowledge of the game to produce the most beautiful range of football art available to you. There's a whole collection dedicated to managerial icons, meaning you could own a unique piece of artwork detailing Sir Alex, Cluffy or Cruyff in their touchline pomp. Just visit www.footballpink.shop to browse the entire collection. Monchi has managed to make Sevilla, who are essentially a selling club, spectacularly profitable in the transfer market. To do this, he has mined two rich seams. First up, there's Sevilla's youth system. Monchi helped to reform the youth system and has reaped the rewards of its fruits throughout his time as sporting director. A host of players have been promoted to the first team, made a huge impact in La Liga and then been sold for large fees. The names are very familiar. Sergio Ramos, Jesus Navas, Alberto Moreno, Jose Antonio Reyes and Luis Alberto. The second part of Monchi's pincer movement is signing players for relatively modest fees, watching them dazzle on the pitch and then selling them on to Europe's biggest clubs for a massive profit. The list is far too long to repeat in full, but includes the likes of Fernando Llorente, Adil Rami, Julio Baptista, Dani Alves, Alvaro Negredo and Steven Nzonzi. There are a few who are worth a little bit more consideration, not so much for the fee they fetched, but for what they gave to the club. Monchi's first big success was the signing of Javi Navarro on a free transfer from rivals Valencia in 2000. The fearsome, no-nonsense centre-half would go on to play nearly 200 times for the club, becoming captain and lifting five major trophies until he retired eight years later. Then there was Julian Escudé. Another defensive stalwart during the trophy-laden years, who was signed for a mere one and a half million euros. Escudé was French, but he was soon at home in Seville. After less than a year in the city, he described the derby with Real Betis as like going to war. Then there was Enzo Maresca, signed from Juventus for two and a half million euros, and who went on to be named man of the match in the 2006 UEFA Cup final demolition of Middlesbrough. After scoring two goals in the 4-0 win, if that wasn't enough to make him a favourite with the fans, the €10,000 prize money for his award he donated to the city's San Juan de Dios Hospital. One of Monchi's most priceless signings was Frederick Canute, signed from Tottenham for €6.5 euros, a fee that looked dubiously high given his 19 goals in three seasons in the Premier League. Canute, though, was a huge success, netting 136 goals over seven seasons in Seville and becoming the club's record non-Spanish scorer in the process. This success was aided by the fact that Canute truly bought into the club's ethos and the city. This is clear from the fact he paid €500,000 of his own money to buy the only mosque in Seville due to the private premises being listed for sale, and that allowed him and his fellow Muslims to carry on honouring their faith. Of course, they didn't all work out. Even a man with Monchi's Midas touch has a stinker from time to time. Money was wasted on expensive flops like Javier Chivanton and Aquivaldo Mosquera, both of whom failed to set the heather alight and were moved on at a loss. Then there are others who proved to be good players but just didn't quite fit the mould. Monchi's most expensive signing, Aruna Kone, only scored two goals in 41, but a later spell at Levante yielded 17 goals in a season and showed the player had talent, but perhaps was not a good fit. Similarly, Yevhen Konoplyanka signed and had evident quality, but never settled in the city and just couldn't get away quick enough. But overall, Monchi's model has worked amazingly well for Sevilla over a two-decade spell, 
He has tweaked it and reinvented it over the years, of course, notably after the club found itself £22 million in debt in 2014. There'd been a few difficult seasons, changes in EU tax regimes, and, and the club had struggled with the relatively new big club status that they'd acquired, which significantly altered the negotiation dynamic. But Monchi put his nose to the grindstone and reverted to his tried and tested methods, focusing on younger players and those who were encountering a stutter in their career. So, how does Monchi do it? How does he convince these talented, undervalued players to choose Sevilla over more moneyed and more storied rivals? Well, he has two powerful weapons in his arsenal, scouting and Seville. Monchi's success in identifying talent can be traced back to his creation of an extensive scouting network, with over 700 scouts closely monitoring players and seeking out unpolished diamonds. He developed a modern database of players, a huge spreadsheet essentially. This contained data measures such as sprints per game, range of passing, positional discipline. Practically, it is what can now be found on many of the sport data applications and software. However, this was just 20 years ahead of them. And data like this was not evident without a thorough examination from the scouts. The scouts, depending on what area or league they were monitoring, would compile an ideal monthly 11 players who would be consistently scoring highly in the specific qualities. And then... These 11 would be monitored more closely. The spreadsheet system also allowed the club to be able to quickly find players in areas they needed. For example, if the manager thought he needed a right-footed fullback who was good at defending but could run a 50-metre sprint in under 7 seconds, the spreadsheet would be used to narrow down the search for candidates. Once the players are identified via scouting, Monchi has to persuade them to actually sign for the club. To do this, he uses the other great S in his repertoire, the city of Seville itself. Football Pink contributor and Seville resident James Bolum tells us why it's such a special place to play your football. The city of Seville isn't a hard sell for Monchi. This beautiful historical city is the fourth biggest in Spain and the capital of its biggest autonomous community, Andalusia. The city itself is stunning and the sights are endless. From the cathedral to the Alcazar to the Toro do Oro to Las Siestas, which is the world's biggest wooden sculpture. The winding city streets lined with tapas bar after tapas bar. Sevilla also boasts Spain's largest old town. When the Moors conquered Spain, Andalusia was their base and the influence on the city is strong, with many buildings dating from the Moorish era. The Macarena Gate at the old city wall looks like something from Morocco rather than the Iberian Palencia. The city has it all except a beach, but these can be found a short journey south on the coast, Monchi's hometown of Cadiz being one of these places. There is a large river here though, and that is perfect for water sports such as kayaking and rowing. Sevilla is known as the frying pan of Spain, and temperatures reach an incredible 45 degrees during summer. For this reason it's not surprising that the siesta was born here. Sevilla doesn't really do winter, with temperatures rarely dropping below 12 degrees. The world-famous Feria and Semana Santa are huge parties which has led to Sevilla being known as the city of a thousand fiestas. During these weeks, workers are given the week off. Partying is just as important as working in this city. The people are friendly and welcoming, and the cost of living is cheap. Flamenco was born here, and there is a large Latin American community, and some of the most delicious tapas in Spain is found everywhere. With plenty of rooftop bars with stunning views of the city, it's the perfect destination for a footballer. 
If that's not enough to attract someone to make Sevilla their home, then there is football. The first things I am asked when I meet someone is firstly where I am from, then who my football team is, and then whether I prefer Betis or Sevilla. Sevilla may have enjoyed recent success, but it is their rivals Real Betis that are the best supported club in Spain, after the big three of Real, Barcelona and Atletico. Sevilla are seventh behind Athletic Club from Bilbao, so you can see how much football means to Sevillans. The local derby is known as El Gran Derby, or the Derby of Spain. Having experienced one myself, I can confirm the passion is second to none in the whole of Europe. 40,000 plus fans gathering outside the stadium hours before kickoff, chanting and letting off pyro and smoke bombs. The club's hymn sung a cappello by the fans, scarves aloft, is enough to get the hair standing up on the back of your neck. There's perhaps one other factor which helps Monchi, his likeable nature and down-to-earth personality. Of course, I can't vouch for that personally as I've never met the man, but we've heard it from a reliable source, his friend Luis. When leaving work one evening at a language school opposite the Ramon Sanchez Piquan Stadium, one of my colleagues Luis remarked on my Boca Juniors coat. We got talking about football and he was telling me he was a severe fan. I mentioned that I had a friend that used to work at the club and he told me that he had one that was there at the moment. I asked what his friend did. He told me that he was the technical director. This took me rather by surprise. What, you know Monchi? Yes, yes, his name is Monchi. All oh, right, <laughs> that's impressive. He's quite famous. I said, yes, yes, famous, but uh, how do you say the word in English? Um, um, humble? Yes, humble. He is very humble. Remember, you can own a unique piece of artwork depicting your favourite manager icon in full swing. Whether you worship at the Church of Arsene Wenger or are more of a Bob Paisley fan, check out www.footballpink.shop to see the Football Pink's entire artwork collection. The peak of Monchi's Seville reign can probably be attributed to the period from 2013 to 2016. In this time, the club, under the managerial direction of Unai Emery, won the Europa League an incredible three consecutive years in a row. It was a feat which not only cemented their place as the competition's most successful side, but the three wins in a row also wrote them into European history, alongside fellow European title hat-trickers Bayern Munich and Ajax. The profits from player sales around that time were through the roof too, with assets such as Ivan Rakitic, Carlos Baca and Kevin Gamero being pilfered summer on summer. Monchi can't quite take all the credit for Rakitic's initial signing though. When the Croatian was flown over to the city to discuss the potential transfer, he took to his hotel bar on the evening after talks to mull over the decision. He ordered a drink from the bar and then took a liking to the barmaid who served him. Raquel Mauri was her name. She must have left quite an impression as he signed for Sevilla the next morning for a bargain two and a half million euros and Raquel Maori is now his wife. It was always likely that Monchi's staggering success would lead to a wealthier club, sick of having to try to pry Sevilla's players away for inflated transfer fees, to go after the true jewel in the Andalusian club's crown, Monchi himself. So it was that in 2017, Monchi left the club that he had served for a total of 29 years and headed to AS Roma, 
where he was appointed director of football and tasked with replicating his Spanish success to topple Juventus' domestic domination. Italian football sounds like a perfect match for Monchi. It's passionate and uber-loyal fans reminiscent of those at his hometown club. This is particularly evident in the Eternal City, where players such as Totti and De Rossi have been elevated to near-deity status after spending their entire careers at the club. Unfortunately, this enhanced status makes such icons almost unsellable. A bit of an issue for a buy-low-sell-high merchant such as Monchi, and it's fair to say that he had some difficulties dealing with the twin totems of Roma's modern history. First, Monchi was tasked with persuading Totti to call a day on his 25-year playing career. 756 matches and 307 goals later, Totti joined Monchi upstairs, but life in a suit and tie did not easily fit the legendary forward. Monchi had already left Roma by the time De Rossi unexpectedly left after 18 seasons, in a parting of the ways that the midfielder made clear was anything but consensual. However, it was reported that De Rossi was offered a pay-as-you-play deal in the months before leaving, and it's not too big a leap to suggest that Monchi was involved in the decision to try to rationalise the expensive veteran's salary. Monchi left Roma in 2019, his four-year contract only half completed and his player transfer strategy in question. The sale of Mohamed Salah to Liverpool looks to have been done at a bit of an undervalue, while the likes of Patrick Schick and Javier Pastore were signed to much fanfare, but failed to meet expectations. There are also claims that Monchi turned down the option to sign wonderkid Erling Braut Haaland for the Romans. If true, that would be a real error of judgement. In the end, his fate was intertwined perhaps too closely with failing coach Eusebi Di Francesco, who certainly was not Ramos or Emery. When the time came for Di Francesco to leave, Monchi went with him. Now, it should be said that Monchi's time in Rome certainly wasn't an unmitigated disaster, with Roma having reached a first Champions League semi-final since 1984 during that period. Monchi returned home to Seville in the summer of 2019, and quickly set about re-establishing his tried and tested methods in the comforting environs of Andalusia. He seems to be back to his old tricks, with impressive young signings such as Jules Koundé and Youssef N. Neziri having seen their values skyrocket, and the club competing in the Champions League knockout stages. Whatever the future may hold for Monchi, one thing is for sure. El Lobo de Sevilla is the most important person at the club, and probably the most successful sporting director in football. Whatever they're paying him, it isn't enough. You have been listening to the Football Pink podcast. For more stories like this one, please subscribe to the podcast and visit footballpink.net.